0: Tonight on Huckabee, veteran journalist Shannon Bream is chasing what matters. Medals, Brian Welch, and the daughter that saved his life, and country artist Rodney Atkins perform. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection.
1: Thank you very much. I love it when we have a great studio audience here in our theater, and we have a great audience. Thank you guys all for making this, what's gonna be a wonderful night, I promise this. But let me begin by mentioning that I'm joining with Franklin Graham for a special day of prayer for the president this weekend, Sunday, June 2nd. Now Franklin, who is CEO of the truly wonderful Christian relief organization, Samaritan's Purse, invited people all over the world to simply pray for the president on Sunday, June 2nd. Now the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders, even if we didn't vote for them. So this is not a political statement. You're not making this to other people. This is a spiritual statement and you're talking about it to God. Over 250 faith leaders from all over the nation are already signed on as sponsors. And I hope you'll be part of the day of prayer. Now, Let me assume for a moment that you don't like President Trump and that you voted for Hillary. Maybe you did. I don't know. I would say they're not overwhelmingly present here tonight, but maybe. And let me assume that you don't like his tweets and you don't like his blunt style of speaking or his policies. And I'll even assume just for discussion's sake that you honestly believe that the record job numbers for African-Americans, Hispanics and women, and the hundreds of thousands of manufacturing jobs that are back in the last two years are all a result of the Obama policies, even though President Obama said those manufacturing jobs were never coming back. And he said that the current three plus percent GDP growth was something we'd never see again. So let's just assume that the income increases seen by people at the bottom of the wage scale are also because of the policies that happened when President Obama was in office. And the record stock market highs for the past years also have nothing to do with President Trump. So let me assume you actually believe all of that. <laughs> now let me ask you an important question. We have been hearing for three years that Russia interfered in our elections. So just to make something clear, Who was president when the 2016 elections were underway? And here's a clue, just a little hint, it wasn't Donald Trump. He was a mere private citizen and just a candidate. The president was Barack Obama and the people who were being paid by your tax dollars to protect us from foreign interference were FBI Director James Comey, Assistant Director Andrew McCabe, high-level agents Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, Department of Justice officials like Attorney General Loretta Lynch, High-level official Bruce Orr and national security and intel officials like John Brennan and James Clapper. They were the ones who actually were responsible for stopping foreign meddling. So why on earth are they on TV every day not to apologize for the disgustingly inept job they did or for launching an illegal spying operation on a presidential candidate, but rather to blame Donald Trump for the so-called Russian meddling? Now, look, I'm simply asking you to explain how a man who was not in office was responsible for the things that happened when his predecessor was in office. But then the things that happened after he was elected that truly improved our economy and jobs for minorities, somehow they were solely because of the people who were no longer in office. Now, does that make any sense to anyone other than the Trump haters or the media? But then I repeat myself, You see, I'm not trying to make you love or even vote for Donald Trump. That's a decision you gotta make. But I'm hoping to make you think about what you've been told and sold by the media, the left and the DC swamp creatures from both Democrat and Republican parties. And I want you to realize something just doesn't add up. So do your own math and make sure that you can explain how people in office weren't responsible for the bad things that happened when they were in office, but somehow they were responsible for the good things that happened after they packed up and left and then how the people who weren't in office were responsible for the things that happened when they weren't in government, but once they got in and things got going great, they had nothing to do with it. Now, as Ricky Ricardo would say to Lucy, which will date you if you even know what I'm talking about, you've got a lot of splaining to do. That's right, you do. You all know my first guest. She's the anchor of Fox News at Night and the chief legal correspondent for Fox News Channel. She's also the author of this terrific new book called Finding the Bright Side, The Art of Chasing What Matters. Would you please welcome my friend, Shannon Bream. I am so thrilled to have you here, first of all, because I just think you're terrific. Thank you. But this book, I read every page of this book. Thank you. I can't do that for every single person who comes on the show. I try to get familiar with it, but I started reading it, and I could not stop, and I didn't finish until I got to the very end of it, and it is a fascinating insight into your life, but really into all of us. When you wrote this... Did you plan on being as brutally mm. candid and honest as you are in this book?
2: I wish I could say that I knew from the beginning that I was going to do that, because when the publisher started talking with me, I thought, I'll write a serious legal book. It'll be about the Supreme Court that I cover, something like that. And he said, no, no, that stuff's really boring. No one buys that. Yeah. <laughs> they want to hear stories <laughs> about your real life. So I said, okay, I'll write about my real life. I said, I want my faith to be the center of the book. They said, that's great. You can yeah. write about that as much as you want.
1: You told a powerful story. You were going to make a speech. Uh, you had just gone through and were actually going in the, through the middle of a very serious issue with mm-hmm. your eyes. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see. It was a powerful experience because so many people came up to you afterwards. Mm-hmm. They could relate to that mm-hmm. Shannon Bream, not the one that mm-hmm. everything's happy. They could relate to that one. Did that right. impact you to realize people needed yeah. that?
2: Absolutely did, because I, I, it was a fantastic Christian gathering I was going to, and it was to talk about my faith and work and all these positive things. And I was really struggling recovering from this cornea surgery that hadn't gone well. And I went to my husband thinking he's going to affirm my desire to cancel this whole thing. I said, you know I'm not in a place to do this at all. And he said, you're going to go. And you're going to be honest.
1: I mean, you guys have been through a lot of stuff and and you're really young, by the way. So I
2: not as young as you might think
1: (laughs) (laughs) a lot younger than me. I can tell you that. But but I found really coming to appreciate not only Sheldon as your husband, Mm -hmm. but as a spiritual rock through your Mm -hmm. life and how God has given each of you uh, the capacity to Mm complement each other.
2: Yeah. And one of our favorite sayings is we are not perfect, but we're perfect for each other because mm. we do kind of fill each other's strengths and weaknesses. And I couldn't do what I do without him. Um, from You know, we taught it, talked a little bit backstage about me getting fired for my first TV job, which was humiliating. Yeah. That's a yeah. fascinating yeah. story.
1: Yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks you just shot like a rocket right. up to Fox News. It wasn't quite like
2: that. No, no. Um, I'd been a lawyer and I went to work at a local TV station and i bugged the boss like crazy. I was making coffee and working overnights and just doing, you know, the the basic learn as you go, working the teleprompter, doing all these things. And I finally convinced him to let me be on air. He's like, if a story breaks, no reporter is humanly available to go to this thing. (laughs) We need someone, you can go. (laughs) So I started appearing on air just a little bit. Uh Um, He left the station, the new guy came in and started cleaning house. And he called me in and the head of HR was sitting there and I thought, I'm getting promoted which is not what happens. (laughs) The head of HR is sitting there, you're not getting promoted. And he said, you're the worst person I've ever seen on TV. You will never make it in this business. And you need to go back to being a lawyer because I hope you're better at that than you are being a reporter.
1: My gosh, I hope you have sent him an autographed picture (laughs) and said, hey, do you remember when you told me how bad I was? Well, I'm doing pretty well. I'm (laughs) fine. That motivated you, didn't it? It did. You uh, have been covering the Supreme Court for the Fox News Channel for a number of years now. Uh, I've watched you breathlessly run down the steps of the Supreme Court. I've been amazed that you have like a couple of hundred page decision. Mm -hmm. You've had no time to read it. You literally have just had it put in your hands. And yet, in a few seconds, you can analyze enough of it. How do you do that?
2: There are tricks that I've learned because it's a little terrifying. If you see the author of the opinion, one of the very first experiences I had with this was when Justice Scalia was alive years ago, 2007. It was my first year covering the court. There was a huge Second Amendment case. It was the last one of the term. I came running out with it. And when I saw his name as the author of the opinion, I knew which way, knowing how he felt about the Second Amendment, which Mm. way it was going to go, was going to be supportive of gun rights. Um, But Greta Van Susteren, a colleague and friend of mine, former colleague.
1: Who we all love.
2: Yes. And she taught me a wonderful trick. She's a fantastic attorney, too. She said, turn to the dissent. And when you see who lost and who's paired up together there, it gives you a great idea about what really happened in the majority opinion. So it's, there are little tricks of the trade, and you try to shortcut it as fast as you can.
1: There are some surprises that have happened even within the last week. Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh mm-hmm. didn't really vote the way a lot of conservatives thought they would.
2: Mm-hmm. What happened? I think with both of them, they have different interesting independent streaks that we saw and knew going through all of their old opinions and the courts that they'd served on before. They wouldn't be in lockstep with some of the other conservatives. I think Justice Gorsuch has a very libertarian streak about certain things, and he feels a certain way about some of the criminal law cases. I think Justice Kavanaugh very much wants to be seen as independent and do his own thing. Um, so I don't think that they're always going to stick together, even when people want them to. I think they're very—those two are very independent additions to the court. Court.
1: Are we going to see a pro-life case bubble up to the court within the next year?
2: Mm-hmm. I think we will. I think because there's so many of these state laws that have been passed on both ends of the spectrum on the issue of abortion. I think the court knows that they are going to have to take one of these cases, which means it will come in their next term, which runs fall through June, which means probably we'll get a decision in June 2020 right in the middle of a presidential race. And it's going to make that issue front and center.
1: Any prediction on which way you think this court Current makeup mm-hmm. would likely decide on uh, on a pro-life case.
2: I don't think that they would do a sweeping overhaul or overturning of Roe v. Wade. I do think that there are places that they are willing to be more incremental about their decisions. And I think that you could pull together the five conservatives on a number of smaller issues that may be things that aren't going to uphold something You know, out there like Alabama and Missouri and some of the other ones that are six or eight week bans. But I do think they may do more to crack down on admitting privileges to hospitals for doctors and other medical requirements that will, in some ways, kind of chip away at some of the abortion access out there.
1: Shannon, thank you very much for coming. I'm truly grateful for your friendship, but more than that, uh, for the remarkable honesty of your story. And thanks for sharing it with us. Shannon Breen. Now, Shannon's wonderful new book called Finding the Bright Side, The Art of Chasing What Matters, is available at all booksellers. I mean, everywhere they sell books, they'll have her book. If they don't, it's not much of a bookstore, I can tell you that. You can also watch Shannon on Fox News at night, and you can follow her on Twitter, at Shannon Bream. Keith Bilbury, our ever-so-capable announcer, he's chased down what's coming up next, and he's going to tell us all about it. I'll give it my best shot. Next, meet heavy metal
0: star Brian Welch and the daughter that helped save his life. Then magician Mark Robinson amazes. Jim Gibson talks Trump. And country artist Rodney Atkins performs right here on Huckabee.
1: Operation Heal Our Patriots is one of the less known outreaches of Samaritan's Purse. It seeks to heal the bodies, spirits, and marriages of our veterans who serve to keep America free. Won't you help to play a role in this vital work? You can call Samaritan's Purse or visit their website, and rest assured, your financial gift, whether it's large or small, can truly make an enormous impact in the life of a veteran and his or her family. I know God will bless you for participating in Operation Heal Our Patriots. Well, as the guitarist of the hard rock mega band Korn, Brian Welch, known as Head, succumbed to a deadly rock star lifestyle. He finally walked away from all of it, determined to kick drugs and become a good dad, only to find that his lifestyle had also taken its toll on his daughter, Jenea. The story of how he found faith, overcame his addictions, and rebuilt their lives and relationship is told in the harrowing and inspiring new documentary, Loud, crazy love. I love you, Daddy.
3: Oh, I love you too. The music world is
4: buzzing.
3: He's like Janae,
2: I'm cutting corn.
3: I'm gonna stay home.
2: Wait,
4: is that even allowed? Janae, get down, please. Man, how do I pay a phone bill?
2: I should have seen the signs.
4: All joking aside, I was devastated.
5: That was entertaining as hell.
4: I went from one of the biggest rock stars to an out of work single dad. All those things have to be better than what he was. And I just said, Father, am I too late? Everybody else that doesn't live their life like this, that's who's crazy.
1: Please welcome Brian and Janae Welch. to tell you, I'm really excited about having you guys here. It's, it's just a powerful documentary that, that tells the story of a guy that was at the top of the rock and roll world and then found bottom and found God. Yeah, that's where you find him. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people can relate. Well, when, when you decided that this whole lifestyle you were living was just not working out, was it a sudden thing and you just cried out to God or was this over a process of time?
4: Um, it was sudden because
1: i I was
4: desperate, <laughs> and she needed a parent that could be functional and i was I was a functioning drug addict, and so she didn't know. you know I was, when I was home, I'd be there, I'd be like goofy dad, making breakfast and everything, but I had a horrible addiction.
1: Mm. Like, yeah Jane, you're living in, in this world of uh, you know a rock icon. Uh, it, were, were there times that you thought, you know? My life ain't quite like everybody else's. Did you ever think that? <laughs>
6: um, I think when I hit uh, school, I think at elementary school, that yeah. definitely uh, all the kids had their mom and dad picked them up from school every night, uh, every day. Mother's Day, Father's Day. Yeah. So yeah, I think when I hit school, I was like, oh, this is my life's different than everyone else's.
1: Well, Brian, I want to tell you something. Our audience doesn't realize this, but you know, I, I know. how I look right now, but underneath all of this. There is a guy who is tattooed like a comic book and has more piercings than a front of a Buick. I just want to- Yeah! That's the real me. Underneath this stuff right here, the real me. And my hair just won't grow out anymore. That's the only thing that uh, that I can't hide. Um, You know, you've lived the life of the rock icon. There are a lot of people probably say, well, how can you be a believer playing rock and roll music? But there's really no conflict, is there? You know what, it's like, it's all, all has to do with the heart, you know? Yeah.
4: And we have to get over this um, just critical, judgmental thing because God wants to go everywhere. I mean, perfection came into this messed up world. Yeah. And you know, what we as, as Christians can be you know, if we're built up enough, we can go and blend in places. It's not, I don't, I hate the us and them thing. Yeah. I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. you're the, yeah. and so I want, I want to blend in. I want to be friends. I want to, I want to uh, just affect culture. You
1: know, what better way to do that? You take the message of music, you get attention of, of many young people who will listen to you, but you're so bold about your real uh, sense of, of who you belong to now. Yeah. Do people reject you because of you being in Christ? Do you have that conflict where people say, hey, I loved, you know, Head when he was in corn and when he was a cool guy, but man, now he's gone all religious on us. I'm not sure about him. So
4: I have to deal with a lot of rejection sometimes Mm. because I got that from the rock and roll people. Sometimes, Oh, that's a Jesus freaking corn. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the, then the Christian community, you know, some of them were like, Oh, he's, He's not, he's not doing God's will or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm like stuck in the middle going, whatever. But God's like, you got me. <laughs> and so, yeah. See,
1: I, I want everybody to know something. God bless you. I want everybody to know, well, I just love you because you're an incredibly gifted, talented guy that came to the Lord because you looked at a daughter, a beautiful young lady and said, I wanna be a good dad. Yeah. Now, how can I not love a guy who wants to be what God wants him to be, and love his daughter, and be a good dad? Thank you so much. I mean, man, she was like she was the angel
4: that I felt God sent into this world to get me to wake up. And she like she raised me just like I raised her. You know, I, I was growing into a man. I still am, but uh, <laughs> as 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 she came into the world, so I mean. Yeah, if it wasn't for her, who knows what would've happened,
1: you know? Well, the documentary is uh, Loud Crazy Love. I think that probably is a great title for the documentary. You can (laughs) be seen on Showtime streaming. Brian, I gotta tell our audience something. About five and a half, six years ago, you and I first met. Yes. I interviewed you and I said then, hey, we gotta do music together sometime. Remember that? Yes. And you said you would do it. Yes. You'll still do it, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, that was the right answer. Uh, I realize that when the two of us are on stage together, it may not look like that we actually blend, but we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes. And so, to keep your word, Brian is going to join our band on stage with me, and we're going to play a little rock and roll in a minute. Pete. You can purchase your
0: copy of Loud Crazy Love on June 18th online through iTunes and Amazon. For more information, visit loudcrazylove.com. That's crazy with a K. Now, here to perform, along with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on Bass, it's Brian Welch. Magician Mark Robinson, Luis Palau, Jim Genson, and...
1: Well, from America's latest burial option, composting, to Elizabeth Warren's romance advice, we've got the news that'll make you kiss and tell on a segment that we like to call In Case You Missed It. Well, from our Washington state file comes the newest form of funeral services, composting. Yes, Governor Jay Inslee of Washington put the fun back in funeral when he signed legislation to make Washington the first state to offer natural organic reduction. Did you hear that? Natural (laughs) organic reduction. As an alternative to cremation or burial. Now, it seems like competition in that business was already pretty stiff, (laughs) but who am I to judge? Now I can already hear people shopping at Lowe's saying, uh, I need some cow manure, two bags of planting soil, and could you take care of my husband Murray here? I can pick him up with a bag of peat moss from a garden at the end of the month. You see, natural organic reduction would take Murray, or any corpse for that matter, and mix him with things like wood chips, straw, and alfalfa, transforming dear Murray into a couple of wheelbarrows of soil In about seven weeks' time. Now, just think of the pluses of this over the traditional burial. Number one, no more friends or family letting you down for the last time. (laughs) Hey, and if you have a deadbeat relative, by turning him into compost, you'll finally get some work out of the old boy. (laughs) Now, some of you are thinking this process is quite an undertaking. But Washington State University already tested it on six willing donors last year. Oh, we certainly hope they were willing. The legislation was inspired by Katrina Spade, who modeled the human composting on the method that farmers use with dead livestock. By the way, Ms. Spade founded Recompose, a company to perform human composting back in 2017. Hopefully she does well, but I'd really hate to see her make a killing with it. I want you to know that I'm doing everything humanly possible right now, not to say ashes to ashes, guts to fill garden ruts. (laughs) You see, I just don't want to soil this story. (laughs) Well, from health care to climate change to paying off everyone's student loans, Democratic presidential hopeful Elizabeth Warren has a plan for everything. So that made comedian Ashley Nicole Black tweet, Do you think Elizabeth Warren has a plan to fix my love life? Well, she was surprised when a reply hit her Twitter page from Elizabeth Warren stating, direct message me and let's figure this out. <laughs> Naturally, the liberal Twitterverse went Gaga and I'm not talking Lady Gaga. This is the kind of president that we need, a woman and one who cares enough about the people to get involved in their love lives. Maybe as Elizabeth Warren would be better at getting love advice than tax advice, just a thought. Well, just like the procrastinator who was late to his own funeral, we've run out of time. But always remember, we read the news. My next guest is an Emmy Award winning TV host and recording artist with a lifetime of show business experience. That includes a 30-year relationship with Donald Trump as director of pageant affairs for Miss Universe and other great televised pageants. Would you please welcome Jim Gibson? Jim, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Great having thank you here. You, you. Nice to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. You did Miss Universe for quite a while. I worked for them for 35 years. Wow. A long time. How much of the decline of maybe pageants, because Miss America is you, used to be everybody in America watched it. Yeah. And it's not like that anymore. I, is it because we've now come up with a, a new idea that everybody gets a trophy? They're in competition. Nobody should lose. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. Is that part of this culture that we're living in? Yeah, it certainly could be.
7: You know, yeah. you and I are from the same generation. Yeah. It's changed unbelievable, unbelievably. And, and yes, uh, and... Uh, you know, that was part of my job, Mike, when I, when I worked for, for Donald, the president, yeah. uh, as his director of pageant affairs. My job was to work between him in the East Coast and Les Moonves, who was the president and his 50 percent partner on the West Coast. They couldn't be more different. They both had two different <laughs> visions yeah. of, of what a pageant should be. And uh, that was a a, a really amazing experience. And I learned a lot about television.
1: You're talking about ratings and what happens there. You saw these girls coming from middle America. Very different, maybe, mindset and frame of reference than people who are coastal. And and you're seeing that even now. I see it now. I don't know, like, a
7: couple of months ago, if you saw the Bill Maher piece on HBO, he talked about how we in the Midwest are totally out of touch. You know, we're the flyover people. We're we're the ones that... uh, we leave our Christmas lights up in July instead of going to Broadway. You know, and on and on and on. Is there something
1: on. wrong with that, Jim? Not a I thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> I are up. Oh, no, go ahead. And that was part of,
7: uh, it reminded me so much of my, again, experience dealing with the coast in television. Because yeah. I had to fly out to meet with Les and his two top people. He was polite. He was professional. But he shocked me when I said, you know, you know, The president and I agree that there's this wonderful opportunity, the American dream thing called a pageant in the Midwest. And he stopped me, because we were trying to get better ratings. And he goes, Jim, he goes, let me just say this very bluntly. I don't care about the Midwest. That's not my target audience. I like the East Coast, I like the West Coast. So what we see on television is very much dictated by people that don't really care much about what
1: we think. And and I find that very troubling. You've known the president a long time. Yep. You knew him before he was President Trump. And he was just Donald Trump to you, and you worked for him a long time. The Trumpster. Yeah. So what is it that a lot of Americans have no clue when it comes to Donald Trump, and they really should know?
7: There's two things. Number one, he, his his ability and his tenacity to make change is yeah. unparalleled, and I'm sure you, you know that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: yeah, And thank God right yeah. now that he's yeah. doing that in our yeah. country. When I
7: met him, Mike, that was when he was at his lowest point, those late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. When he, in his book, he says he's a billion dollars upside down. Yeah. So we had to do a lot of uh, hard work together at that time. So, my, you know, he is, if he was here tonight, we'd be talking sports, hmm. uh, probably french fries and ketchup. And, uh, and, a, and, a, about
1: and a steak that's well done, almost burned <laughs> with ketchup on it. I find that disgusting. That's the way I, eat I like it too. the president. <laughs> but, gee whiz, why mess up a good steak like but, that? Go ahead.
7: But he's just <laughs> in the, in the, in the, in the, his sense of humor is off the Richter scale. I know that yeah. I, I wish people could experience that. And his sincerity is
1: real. Well, I, one of the things and I got to tell you this story, and I'm sure that this was your experience with him. I was campaigning with him. We were at one of his clubs, Doral, Miami. Yep. We got there at 11 o'clock at night, only a handful of people still in the restaurant, you know, cleaning and there were the hotel staff cleaning up. He walked in, he didn't just go to his own little table. He walked in, said hello and called by name every person at that hotel, from the person vacuuming the carpet to the person behind the front desk, to the people who were serving tables. He knew every one of their names and went over before he sat down and spoke to every single person one of them before he ever worried about was he going to eat that night. He loves people. He just does. It's a side of him
7: that most people will never see. It's so frustrating. And if you say it, they don't believe me. But that is so true. And by the way, I was close enough with him. We were married at Mar-Largo, my wife and I. He's the signing
1: witness and the first lady on my
7: wedding license. How about that? So we were very, very close and still are.
1: But the world has changed a little bit since those days. Well, Jim, I want you to know how much we appreciate you being here and you're Great career, but more than that, just just the candor with which you've come yep. and talked to us thank and you. kind of refreshed us that it's okay to live in middle America. It's all right. It's all right. We're nothing to be ashamed of out here. Do me one favor. Yes, sir. Thank your daughter. Oh, thank, thank your you. daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. She loves her job. Yeah. She loves the president, and she gets really upset when people pretend that there's something terrible going on in the White House. She says, yeah. I work there every day. Yep. Yeah. They're not being honest about it. Jim, what a delight to have you here. Thank you very much. My thanks to Jim Gibson for reminding us that there is a great big world of news and entertainment options out there today, and you don't have to support those that don't support your American values. Instead, you can watch the show that he produces, and you can watch this show right here. Hey, Keith is my very good friend. I'm going to let you tell us what we have coming up right after this break.
0: Get ready to be amazed by magician Mark Robinson. Then, Luis Palau shares a life lived for the gospel. And Rodney Atkins celebrates family in song. Don't go away.
1: And welcome back to the show. Our next guest is one of the most unique performers in entertainment. He's an accomplished comedian, a motivational speaker to Fortune 500 companies, and an acclaimed and award-winning magician. Now, you may have seen him opening for Jeff Foxworthy or maybe seen him with Jimmy Kimmel, but I want you to welcome to our stage for the first time, Mr. Mark Robinson.
6: You guys ready to have a good time? Well, I'll fix that. Came a long way to be here, excited about being here. I uh, I wanted to mention, before I even got started, that uh, I was so overwhelmed with what TBN did for me, and not just because of that, but because of personal things going on in my life. All the money that I make for this event and all of this month's event will be going to charity. I thought I would mention that before I got started. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, charity. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to see that. We have someone from the audience that's volunteered to help us out. Would you come up here real quick? It is, what, I, what is your name? Becky. Becky. Did they tell you what you would be doing? No. That is why you agreed to do it. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna be doing some crazy stuff in a minute, so I thought I would relax you with a card trick before we even get started. Now, of course, the audience can't see the cards, but can, does this look like an ordinary deck to you? Yes. Then how do you explain this? I'm sorry, that's not part of the show. I just, that's not part of it. I was just, okay. So, I thought I would like to open with a, thought I'd like to open with a classic of magic. And it looks like someone's got something behind their ear. Oh, I am so sorry. That goes, I'm very sorry. Very sorry. <laughs> okay, um, I'm sorry, we're getting off to a bad start. What happened was I wanted to do a trick with danger. I'm not a rigged danger guy, so what's a regular guy do? I went to Home Depot and I came up with this. These are five DeWalt staplers. These are not your craft store staplers. These fire at 800 feet a second, half-inch staple. Boom, straight into a block of wood. These will mess you up. (laughs) And we're gonna play a little game I like to call Staple Gun Roulette. Before we get started, can I get you to sign right here? (laughs) Would you hold that? Just sign anywhere right there. And press hard, there's three copies. Thank you. Thank you. All that says is you were having a good time in the show up... (laughs) till now. (laughs) Okay, so all of the staple guns are exactly the same in that they are all not loaded. We're going to make one very different from all the other ones. I have a ream of staples right there. You see this? I'm gonna let that fall in just like that. Locked and loaded just like that. I'm gonna leave it right here. All you have to do is keep your eye on this one. In a minute, you are really going to want to know where this one is. (laughs) Just saying. All right, I'm going to spin the wheel. And would you guys watch, too, in case she doesn't get it? I don't want to have an accident. I'm going to spin the wheel just like this. I'm going to get out of your way. Now, at this point, she's got it completely pinpointed. Tell everybody which one has the staples in it. Right here. Perfect. You think it spun 37 times and came back to the exact same spot. That's perfect. Uh, would you hold that just down, just by your side, just like this? The, I'll, yeah, I'm, so, I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so, this is the most stressful part of the entire show, and I really want to impress you, but I'm a little nervous. Could you, could you guys play something to relax me a little? I'm sorry. I hate this part of the show.
3: My love <laughs> There's only you
6: and then there were two. <laughs> Would you come a little bit closer right there and I want you to take that staple gun and I want you to put it right up on my cheek. Just put it right up on my cheek. Perfect, leave this arm down like, like it's a gun fight, and just put it right up on my cheek because I'm gonna put mine on your hip. Oh. What? Oh. You seemed real certain a minute ago. <laughs> like I just took three, okay? <laughs> All right, and I want you to look me right in the eye. Because Charity's going to take a Polaroid of us. Just look concerned. That's perfect. That'll be for later. That's just for liability purposes. That way, no matter what happens in a second, one of us can claim self-defense. So (laughs) this is so cool. I've never gotten this far before. So okay, okay, all right. On the count of three, we're both going to pull. Best case scenario for you, you're about to staple me in the face. You know what? I trust you. Put that down. I trust you. I trust your ability to make decisions, to be decisive. I trust you so much, I'm willing to do this. (laughs) Which can only mean one thing. Let me have that one. We have a gift for you. That is, put that picture on, on the board, just like this. That is going to develop into a great memory. Check it out. That's for you.
1: Thank you, guys. You know, one of the things, Mark, I want to ask you about, getting into magic and comedy, which is a great combination, was that something that you just decided as a child or teenager? At what point of life did you say, this is my livelihood?
6: Uh, When I was a kid, I was a kid magician, and I did birthday parties for the kids in the neighborhood and that kind of thing, and it occurred to me in my teen years, not everybody likes magic, but everybody likes to laugh. Hmm. And the funny parts of the magic show were way more popular than the actual magic parts of the magic show. And so I thought, well, this is the way to go. If you get a crowd uh, having fun and laughing, should something amazing happen, it's a bonus.
1: And that is the way I do my act. You're doing stuff all over the country. A lot of Fortune 500 companies hire you to come in and do motivational uh, speeches. Because a lot of times you can get a point across through entertaining that they would never sit and listen to a long speech. Exactly. If meetings weren't boring, I'd be out of work. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Hey, Keith, why don't you do some magic and let the audience know how they can keep up with Mark Robinson. Well, if you'd like Mark Robinson to perform or
0: speak at your business, community, or church event, be sure to visit him on his website, bestmotivationalspeakers.com. But only if you want your event to be entertaining and an expiring success. Coming up, an exclusive interview with Felice Palau. And then country music star Rodney Atkins performs. It's all right here on Huckabee.
1: My next guest rose from Humble Beginnings in Argentina to become one of the world's most influential Christian leaders of our time, bringing the Word of God to over a billion people in 75 nations. His new memoir is called Palau, A Life on Fire. It is an extraordinary honor to welcome the Reverend Luis Palau. Luis, I'm so honored to have Uh, you here. Thank you, Governor
3: Huckabee. It's good to be on your program. Thank you.
1: When you were really young, your dad died Your mother was destitute. That must have been a a hard time growing up. What kind of impact did that have on you as a child?
3: My father died singing a Christian song, clapping his hands, quoting St. Paul, pointing up to heaven, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And so to me as a 10-year-old boy, just home from boarding school, uh, I I never forgot it. All my life we've talked about it, but it strengthened my faith because my mom was a true, trusted God for everything. And we had five sisters and myself. We would get on our knees every morning at breakfast time and thank God for the coffee and a, a roll of French bread, and sometimes that was it.
1: One of the stories I love about you is uh, when you were at Multnomah, Uh, college, and you heard a 22-minute sermon, which in and of itself is a miracle, a 22-minute sermon uh, by Major Ian Thomas. It had a profound impact on your life. Tell us about that.
3: Uh, What he taught us was Galatians 2.20, where it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but it's not I, it's Christ living in me. And somehow he hammered it home with the illustration of Moses and the burning bush. The, The lesson Ian Thomas brought out was, You know, Christ lives in me, God in the bush. And he said, any old bush will do for God (laughs) as long as God is in the bush. But the key is Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me. And I went back to Latin America, and I would preach in the big stadiums and so on. And I always hammered home, Christ now lives in you. And so many people got it, so to speak. I get letters even now of people saying, that changed my life.
1: I I want to talk about your wife, Pat. Uh, remarkable lady herself. You met her at uh, Multnomah as well. Uh, you've yeah. spoken about how she made a lot of sacrifices that made your uh, global ministry possible. What, what role did she yeah. play in all of that?
3: She's a theologian, you know. More things that I say come from her than she realizes. And the other thing is, we had four sons. And, you know, to bring them up, she did a terrific job. The four of them walk with God, governor. They love Jesus Christ. They love their families. They're terrific, yeah. The Lord has done a great thing. And, and honestly, 80%, 90% is because of my wife, because she never moved. She had a conviction, you, you got children, bring them up. You were diagnosed
1: with cancer how has that impacted your perspective of life the cancer
3: has changed things and you know the funny not funny the interesting thing is this uh somebody wrote to me and said luis when god created the world then he rested and he felt no guilt about it so you've been running now for 83 years that's That's at my age when this came Uh, rest and feel no guilt. If God rested without feeling guilty why should you feel guilty? And you know it actually that simple thought revolutionized my thinking and um, well so I don't travel for crusades anymore festivals as we now call them but one of our sons Andrew who used to be the rebel in the family. He (laughs) travels all over, and he's preaching better than I do. I mean, more people, we're not supposed to look at percentages, but evangelists always do, no matter what they say. And uh, he seems to lead more people to faith in Jesus than I did. I mean, that's very uh, satisfying. And then another son, Kevin, he leads the organization. Sometimes I think, Governor, that the Lord allowed me to get this cancer, so I'd really get out of the way and let them do their job. I feel total peace and thankfulness, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you know you're in the will of God, and that leads me to say that I, I, this book that we're putting out is because I've read biographies all my life, and you learn so much from the people uh, whose biographies you read. And one of them is that at the end of the race, You just leave it with the Lord, uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So uh, I'm ready for that anytime that the Lord calls me.
1: Luis, we love you. I hope every person watching our show continues to pray for you. And I want to thank you for the impact you've had on my life and on our world. And our thanks to you for sharing your amazing and inspiring life story with us. The book is called Palau. A Life on Fire. It's a spiritual memoir, and it's available this Tuesday, June the 4th, at your favorite bookseller. You can learn more about his ministry online at palau.org. Keith, I bet you've spoken to about a billion people in your career at the Grand Ole Opry. So we're going to let you tell us what's next. Well,
0: this show just keeps getting better. Next, country music's Rodney Atkins takes to the stage to sing and celebrate family. Huckabee's back in 60
1: seconds. Well, currently, my next guest is topping the country music charts with his latest album called Caught Up in the Country. Please welcome the one and only Rodney Atkins. Rodney, welcome. How you doing, Governor? Great having you here. Thanks for having us, man. What's the backstory of this song? Because I think when people hear what it represents and what it's about.
5: So when Rose and I met and we just knew instantly that she's the one, hmm. this is it. You know, we were talking. I said, well, what do you want in you know relationship? Yeah. And, and she said, I won't want what my grandparents have. Mm. Didn't know what that meant at the time. Um, her grandmother passed away a couple Christmases ago. Mm. And um, her grandpa always said that his mission was to make sure her life wound up better than it started out. She was, she was an orphan. Um, I could relate to her being one myself, starting mm. out. And uh, when when she passed, she couldn't speak. She could only write these little notes and scribble. She would scribble water and hot, cold. But the last note she wrote gets me. Uh, she wrote, I loved my life. Whoa. And gave that to him.
1: Oh, what a beautiful and, um
5: And we got that note and started trying to write a song based on her grandmother's life. And we couldn't get really going, and we wrote my life.
1: I'm going to turn you loose and uh... As Rodney gets ready to perform, Keith is going to tell the folks at home how they can get more of Rodney's amazing music.
0: Rodney Atkins, caught up in the country, can be found wherever music is sold, including iTunes and Amazon. You can find out more about his music and touring schedule at RodneyAtkins.com. And now, here to sing is Rodney Atkins!
8: Around. I spent my whole life looking down. Dodging punches, bounced around. Telling myself I put no count. Starting to see things different now. Out of nowhere, you showed up. Said you like my edges rough. Felt you touching for the first time. I didn't want a buck. I love my eyes called. whiskey on my breath bitter words on my tongue showed you the truth you kiss my stars and the faded faces on my cars ain't the man i used to be because of who you are